All right, happy Resurrection Day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so glad that you've joined us for this Easter service. You know, during this time of crisis in America, people are feeling a lot of loss in a lot of different ways. It's like there is a collective grieving that's going on in our nation right now. And here's what we're grieving. We're grieving the loss of normal. What does that mean? It means that everything that people once knew has now been turned literally upside down. And I've got news for you. When this whole thing is over, we're not going back to the way that things were. There's going to be a new normal in our lives. It's kind of like 9-11. 9-11 was a defining moment in our nation that changed the way that we talk about travel. We talk about travel nowadays pre-9-11 and post-9-11. I believe in the same way we're going to talk about our lives as being pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. Here's what I know. No one is immune to loss. Not one of us. Because loss is a part of life. No matter who you are, no matter what race you are, no matter what economic status you are, every one of us as human beings has experienced some form of loss in our lives. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of a dream, the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a friendship, the loss of our health, or maybe it's that you've lost your peace in these days. And here's the one thing that I can tell you with absolute certainty today. Loss is always painful. Loss is always painful. In 1978, I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember going to the very first Superman movie. Uh, that was the one that starred Christopher Reeve in it. And uh, here's a picture of Christopher Lee Reeve in that very first Superman movie. And uh, I remember in the movie, at the end of the movie, Lois Lane finds herself trapped inside of her car, and there's a landslide coming. Superman is off saving the rest of the world, and while he's saving the rest of the world, Lois Lane dies in that car. When Superman finally reaches her and sees that she has died, he is absolutely enraged. And in a fit of rage, he flies up literally into space. And if you remember the scene, he begins circling the earth, causing it to rotate backwards. A strange thing happens. As the earth begins to rotate backwards, all of a sudden, time begins to reverse. And soon, Lois Lane comes back to life, and Superman is able to save her. Don't you wish you had the ability to turn back time and get a do-over? I do. I'd love to be able to go back in time and correct my past mistakes, right my past wrongs. What if that were possible? But better yet, what if there was someone who had the ability to reverse your situation? And what if that person not only had the ability to reverse your situation, but they were actually willing to do it? They were actually willing to help you. Today I want to read an amazing story that's found in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it to John chapter 11. And I'm going to begin reading with the 17th verse, and we're going to go all the way through to the 43rd verse. Here's what it says. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave, get this, for four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. So I want to stop right there. When Jesus gets the news that Lazarus is sick, He's only a few miles away, all right? Keep that in your memory bank. Many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But, G but Mary stayed in the house. When Mary went out to meet Jesus, here's what she said to him. Notice this. Lord, if only you had been here. You can almost see her raising her finger at Jesus. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then all of a sudden, as if she shifts gears, she says, but even now, I know that God will give you 
whatever you ask for. And Jesus told her, your brother Martha will rise again. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises, Jesus, at the last day. But Jesus told her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And then he asks Martha a question. He says, Martha, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. Then she returned to Mary. And she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, Mary, the teacher is here, and he wants to see you. And so Mary immediately went to him. And Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they all assumed that she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. And so they followed her there. Now, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet, and notice what she says. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, get this, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they said, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But there are always naysayers in the crowd, aren't there? And other people responded this way. They said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he, couldn't he have kept Lazarus, his friend, from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. She said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded this way. He said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I have said it out loud for the sake of all of these people that are standing here, so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. This is an amazing story. It's a story of both loss and restoration. You see, Mary and Martha had lost the most precious thing that they possessed in their life. It was their brother, Lazarus. But what they were about to learn was this. Jesus can restore what we've lost. Jesus can restore what we've lost. Today I want to begin a brand new series called Restored. You know, one of the most popular reality TV shows in recent years has been the show American Pickers, uh, featuring Mike Wolf and Frank Fitz. Uh, these two guys right here, they travel all over the country looking for hidden treasure in people's garages, in their barns, in their houses, and in their junkyards. They have the unique ability to see treasure in something that other people see as junk. And so these two guys have become literally the masters at restoring objects and giving them new life. But I want you to know today that the American pickers aren't the only ones who know how to restore things. Jesus is a master at seeing the treasure that is inside of people, inside of us, when other people are looking at us and all they see is a broken mess of junk that needs to be restored. In fact, let me give you the definition of the word restored. The definition of the word restored according to Webster's is this, 
to return someone or something back to its original condition, back to its original place or its original position, to give something previously stolen or taken away back to its original owner. Sometimes because of the mistakes that we've made or because of what's happened to us in our lives, restoration seems impossible, right? But I've got good news for you. There is hope. And in this series, we're going to talk about God's ability to restore broken things, to redeem past mistakes. Why? Because God knows how to turn the junk in your life into treasure and give you new life. Why? Because Jesus is in the restoration business. And that's what the message of Easter is all about. Jesus coming to restore things, to make things right again, things that have been broken, things that have been messed up. He came to restore them. So on this Resurrection Sunday, I chose to start this series using this amazing story of Lazarus because if Jesus can resurrect a dead guy and restore his physical life, he can restore anything that you and I have lost in our lives. So I thought we'd start big, that we get the big rock taken care of. If Jesus can restore somebody's physical life, if he can raise them from the dead, then whatever problem you're facing today, guess what? Jesus can restore what you've lost. Lazarus is actually a picture of our lives. And so there are three truths that I want to point out from this story. Here we go. The first one is this. Everyone needs restoration. Everyone. And here's why. Because we've all experienced loss. The law of entropy in science says this. Left to itself, everything in the universe moves towards two things. Disorder and decay. What does that mean for us practically? It means this. It means that cars rust. It means that food rots. It means that human beings grow old and eventually die. Now, according to science, the only way that you can stop entropy, that you can stop decay and disorder, is by introducing an outside source of energy to counteract entropy. So, your refrigerator is a perfect example. When it's plugged into an electrical outlet, it produces cold air. What does that cold air do? It keeps food from rotting. It combats the forces of entropy. But if your refrigerator gets unplugged, or you lose the electricity in your house, your power source, guess what's going to happen? Entropy is going to occur, and that food that's in your refrigerator is going to rot. That's because the law of entropy that governs the physical realm also governs the spiritual realm. Do you realize that in our world, entropy began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they allowed sin into the world? And while Adam and Eve didn't die immediately, what their disobedience did was introduce sin into the world. It introduced sickness into the world. It introduced suffering into the world. And the effects of those three things at first were indiscernible. But their consequences quickly spread like the COVID-19 virus has spread around our earth, poisoning the earth, which led eventually to not only physical death, but spiritual death. What that means is the more people sinned, the more our world began moving toward disorder and decay and fell apart. And so Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross to do what? To reverse the effects that sin has had both on our world and in our lives. Jesus came. Easter is about him restoring things that were dead and bringing them back to life again. You know, at some point, all of us need a restoration in our lives because we all have things in our life that die. A dream has died. Your career is stuck. Your finances are in the toilet. Your marriage has fallen apart. Your spiritual life is dead. Your family may be in a shambles. Or your body is racked by sickness. 
Maybe it's the fact that you're in an emotional sea of pain right now and hurt from past experiences. And that emotional pain has left your mind completely overwhelmed by depression and discouragement. All of us have experienced those things. Now, let me talk a little bit about Lazarus. The Jewish tradition in that day was to bury people on the day of their death, and then they would observe a seven-day mourning period. So, verse 17 tells us that Jesus showed up on the fourth day. The fourth day would have been right in the middle of their deepest sorrow. And in verse 35, we read these words, Jesus wept. Now, let me tell you about that word, wept. That's how we've translated it in English, because we don't have any other way to translate it, but the Greek word there means this. The Greek word means to burst into tears. To burst into tears. Verse 35, Jesus burst into tears. We would say it this way in English, he lost it. That gives us a much better feel for this, this verse. Jesus lost it. Why? Because he loved Lazarus. Now let me say something to you. Do you know that when Jesus sees your pain and your loss and your situation, that he bursts into tears, that he loses it? Why? Because he loves you every bit as much as he loved Lazarus. Why is that important for me to know? Why is that important for you to know during this crisis? Because isn't it nice when we have a shoulder to cry on during a crisis or during a tough time? That's awesome. Thank God for our friends. Thank God for a shoulder to cry on. It's wonderful. But what we really need during a crisis, more than a shoulder to cry on, is someone that can actually do something about our situation. We need someone that can restore what's been stolen or taken from us. That's what we need. And friends, that's why Jesus died on the cross, and rose again. Jesus didn't get sad about Lazarus' situation. The verses that we read tell us this, that Jesus actually got mad about it. Mad enough to do something about it. He restored Lazarus' life. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you today. No matter what your situation is, he wants to restore what the enemy has taken from you. Because Jesus' mission, coming from heaven down to earth, was to restore or to redeem what Satan stole from mankind all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And Easter is the day that happened. When Jesus rose from the grave victorious, things got restored. And so we celebrate Resurrection Day because the empty tomb is what gives us hope that things in our life can change, and they can be different. Friends, without the resurrection, we're sunk. We're sunk. Why? Because without the empty tomb, Christianity is a meaningless, dead religion, just like all the rest. Because we have no hope of restoration. Let me say something to you. Christianity is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on that event alone. Now hear me carefully. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Or we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Because the Bible says that he did. That's not why we believe. Our faith isn't based on the Bible. Our faith is based on an event. And that event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because think about it. The early Christians didn't have the Bible that you have in your hand right now. They had faith and belief, it tells us, because of what they saw and what they experienced. They saw Jesus die, and then they saw Jesus come back to life again. In fact, the Bible tells us, it records, and Josephus, the Jewish historian, records the same thing, that at least, at least, and these are just the ones that were talked about. 516 people saw Jesus alive 
had encounter, had interaction with him after the resurrection. Those are only the ones that we know about. These people had seen Jesus alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most provable events in all of history. And so our faith as Christians is built on this day, on the event of the resurrection. We believe what Jesus said, and we believe what the Bible says only because Jesus rose from the dead. If he never rose from the dead, then it's all meaningless. And so hear me. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives the Bible its authority. Let me say it again. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives the Bible its authority. And the good news is that Jesus has the power. He has the power to restore and to bring dead things back to life again. It was his resurrection that proved that he was God. So I want you to remember that. It's the resurrection that gives the Bible its authority. And that's good news because everyone needs a restoration. The second thing, second truth that we learn from this story is that Jesus makes things better than new. Jesus always makes things better than new. When Lazarus died, he underwent a a serious burial process that involved wrapping his body in, get this, over a hundred pounds of linen to protect and preserve it. That's a lot of linen, okay? Uh, that's a lot of weight to put on a dead body, a hundred pounds of linen. And so when that process was done and they went to bury Lazarus, Lazarus looked like a mummy. And there are actually two miracles in this story that I want to talk about. The first miracle we've already mentioned. It was the fact that Lazarus's life was restored. But there was a second miracle, a second miracle. Lazarus was able, get this, to get out of the tomb while he was in a full body cast, while he was wrapped with 100 pounds of linen. Just think about that for a moment. That's a miracle. You say, well, why are you talking about this? Check it out in verse 43. It says, Lazarus came out wrapped from head to toe. Can you imagine what it must have looked like to those people that were standing there when Lazarus came out of the tomb? How would he have come out of that tomb? He would have had to come out because he was completely wrapped up like a mummy. He would have had to come out hopping and busting a move. He would have come out like this, right? Can you imagine this scene? Lazarus is hopping his way out of the tomb. I bet that his family and his friends laughed about that scene for years after it occurred, right? But there's an important word picture here that I want you to see about this. Sin. All of the situations that occur in our lives, they want to wrap themselves around us like a hundred pounds of grave clothes. Those experiences in life, those losses in life want to suffocate us, want to paralyze us so that although we're alive, we're unable to live full and free lives. Do you get the imagery there? This is why in verse 44, Jesus has to say to the people, unwrap him let him go right because the first miracle was that lazarus came back to life but he was still wrapped in 100 pounds of grave clothes and so the second miracle was the fact that he was able to get out of that tomb and be unwrapped here's what i want to say to you it doesn't do any good to be restored if we're still bound think about that it doesn't do any good for us to be alive, right, if we're still bound. Some of you are alive right now. You've been alive for years, but you've also been bound for years, and that's a miserable existence. Jesus called Lazarus not only out of the tomb, he called him out of his grave clothes, which means those things that were weighing him down. 
Jesus is calling you out of your grave clothes today. Because you may be physically alive, but yet you're bound. You're bound by fear. You're bound by worry, anxiety. You're bound by addiction. You're bound by past experiences that have marred your identity. And instead of thinking yourself and seeing yourself the way God sees you, you are seeing yourself the way the world has put something on you. And what people have called you, that's not true. Jesus is calling you out of your grave clothes today. He is calling you out of the place of impossibility. He is calling you out of brokenness today, out of grief, out of loss that has been hanging on you, weighing you down like 100 pounds of grave clothes. He's calling you out of whatever mess you've gotten yourself tangled into. He's calling you out of past failures. He's calling you out of past defeats. And he's calling you out of past mistakes because he wants to restore you. And here's the thing. Jesus isn't interested in restoring your life back to the way it was. He wants to give you something better than what you ever had. Isn't that awesome? Jesus isn't going to take me and give me back what I had. He's not interested in restoring me to what I was. He wants to make me get this better than new, better than I ever was. That's why it says in John 10, 10, these words, Satan comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you can have a real and eternal life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. Would you like a better life than you ever dreamed of today? Then run to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus spoke to Martha and he said these words. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection and life. That means that Jesus not only resurrects and restores things, but he also, after he resurrects, when he restores our life, he gives us the power to live victoriously after we have been restored. I am the resurrection. I know how to restore your life. I know how to resurrect dead things. And I'm the life. I'll give you power to live. Jesus always restores. He always makes things better, better than they originally were. Let me give you some examples. In the Old Testament, Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers out of jealousy. His hopes and his dreams as a young man are completely shattered. For almost two decades, Joseph faces one trial and one persecution after another. Man, he can't get anything to go right in his life. He loses everything. And then one day, can you say the word one day? One day, God exalts him to second in command in Egypt. And he restores Joseph's life. And Joseph had more than he originally had. In fact, Joseph gained more than he could have ever dreamed of. How about the book of Job? Satan comes to God one day. And he says, God, your servant Job, if he lost everything you gave him, he would curse you and die. And God says, no, he won't. And so Job has everything that he had accumulated in his life taken from him. All of it, gone. But in the end, what happened? God restores it all, and he doesn't just give him back what he originally had. He gives him way more. When Lazarus emerged from his grave, I want you to know he was restored to a state of being that was better than new. His grave became a garden. His grave turned into a garden. Jesus has the power to restore things in your life that seem irreversibly dead. Some of you are wondering right now, how am I going to get out of this COVID thing? How am I going to get another job? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? This thing is dead on arrival. But Jesus can restore things that are irreversibly dead. And not only will he restore, but he wants to make your life better than it was on the other side of this crisis. Would you receive that today?
just say out loud right now, Jesus is going to make my life better on the other side of this crisis. Now that's hard for some of you to believe right now, I know. But I'm telling you, Jesus is going to make your life better on the other side of this crisis, if you will believe. And the third truth that I want to share with you on this Easter Sunday is this. What you believe determines the outcome of your story. What you believe determines the outcome of your story. When Jesus finally shows up, Mary and Martha are faced with a choice about what they're going to believe about Jesus. Just like today on this Easter Sunday, you have a choice as you're watching this about what you're going to actually believe about Jesus and who he says he is. Here was the choice that Mary and Martha faced. Would they choose to be angry with Jesus? Would they choose to be disillusioned with Jesus? Because Jesus didn't show up on time. They had that choice to make. Would they accuse him of not being a good friend because he let their brother die? See, they had choices to make. What were they going to believe about Jesus? Because what was happening didn't make sense to them. It didn't make sense because of everything they knew, knew about the character and the compassion and the love that Jesus had shown them. So they had a choice to make. Friend, when you're in a crisis, when things aren't going your way, when the ceiling caves in, you, me, we have choices to make about what we really believe about Jesus. Do we still believe that Jesus is good? Do we still believe that Jesus loves us? Every one of us faces a where were you God moment, not just once, but probably multiple times in our lives. In fact, verse 32 doesn't start off very good because the very first words out of Martha's mouth and then later Mary's mouth were this. Master, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus, if you really loved our brother, why didn't you do something? I'm telling you, this is the question that people are asking all over our nation and around our world right now. God, where are you in this COVID-19 virus? God, why aren't you doing anything? And I want to be really, really clear about something. God is not to blame for the bad things that happen in our lives or in our world. Did you hear me? God isn't to blame. Why? Because we live in a world, we talked about this earlier in the message, that has been poisoned by sin because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. Friends, if we want to blame someone for the suffering that exists in our world, let's blame the real culprit. His name is Satan, not God. Satan. In, in the case of Lazarus, Jesus tells us why he didn't act sooner. It was because the people had seen his healing power, but he wanted them to see his resurrection power. Did you get that? The people had seen him heal the sick. They'd seen his healing power, but they had not seen his resurrection power. Now, here's the bad news about that. Unfortunately, in order for Jesus to demonstrate his resurrection power, guess what? Someone was going to have to die. How many of you know it's tough getting volunteers for that? Right? It really is. Jesus waited. He deliberately waited to come so that he could display his resurrection power. Say, well, what does that have to do with me? If you feel like your life is in a holding pattern right now, if it seems like Jesus is not showing up for you, let me tell you something. Jesus is going to show up, but right now he's working behind the scenes and he's getting ready to do something more miraculous than you could imagine. He's working behind the scenes of your life and he's getting ready to do something, get this, more miraculous than you could even think or imagine. You're asking him, Lord, I just need you to pay my bill, but he wants to do so much more than just pay your bill. When Jesus was crucified on that cross, the disciples were crushed. 
They thought everything in their life was lost in that moment. Why? Because they couldn't see what God was doing behind the scenes. They didn't know that in just three days' time, everything was going to change. Everything was going to be all right. So here's the rule that we need to live by. Never put a period where God puts a comma. Never put a period where God puts a comma. You see, when people die, we use a period. But Jesus doesn't. Because the scripture is very clear that our souls live eternally. It's not over when it's over on this earth. It's just the beginning. And so when the disciples asked Jesus about Lazarus several days earlier, here's what Jesus told them. He said, this sickness will not end in death. He's just sleeping. Jesus inserted a four-day comma into the story of Lazarus's life. I love what the great Oswald Chambers once wrote. He said, we often accuse God of missing the mark because we're too short-sighted to see what he's aiming for. Remember something. God's goals and my goals don't always coincide. They're not always the same. A lot of times, God is aiming at something that I'm not aiming at. And so if I'm short-sighted, I'll miss it. Ever felt like God was a day late and a dollar short? I have. I have. But remember, it's not over until God says it's over. And what we believe about Jesus when we're in a crisis, when we're in a storm, is what's going to determine the outcome of our story. So look at what Martha goes on to say in verse 22. She says this. After she says, where were you? You could have prevented all this. Then she gets a hold of herself. And she says, but I know that, here are the key words, even now. What does that mean? It means even though my brother is dead, even so, though the situation seems impossible, even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. Martha inserted a comma as a glimmer of faith began to rise in the midst of her grief. My prayer for you today is that a glimmer of faith will begin to rise in the midst of whatever you're going through. Then Jesus says to her in verse 26, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, even though their dream dies, will see them live again. And he concludes with these words. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? Today, Jesus is asking you, do you believe this? Do you believe that I have the power to restore everything that's been taken from you? Do you believe? And let me tell you, your answer to that question will determine the outcome of your situation. Here's what Martha said. I love it. She said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe. And those two words, yes, Lord, completely changed everything. Can I tell you today that your yes will change your life? And so I want to challenge you to say, yes, Lord, I believe. For some of you, what that means is this. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave three days later, and I want to receive the forgiveness that you're offering to me today, and I want to follow you. For others of you, it means this. Yes, I believe that you can resurrect my marriage, you can resurrect my finances, you can resurrect my health, you can re resurrect my family, even though those things seem dead right now. You're saying, Jesus, I believe you can do it. Because the good news of Easter is that Jesus is still in the resurrection and the restoration business. Because he does not change yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus called Lazarus out of his tomb, get this. The word impossible was erased in that moment. So no matter what has died in your life, I want you to know today that Jesus 
can restore what the enemy has stolen from you if you are willing to say yes to Jesus. If you're willing to say, even now, although that thing is dead, Lord, I believe you can do it. Because when you say yes to Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Let me say it again. When you say yes to Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Do you need some area of your life resurrected and restored today? Jesus is in the restoration business. That's the hope of Easter. He knows how to take your impossible situation and restore it to better than new. Before we close today, I want you to listen to this song. It's a beautiful song, beautiful lyrics. The song is called Run to the Father. And we serve a good, we serve a loving heavenly father. I want you to know that today. Who encourages us in our time of need, in our time of trial, in our time of disappointment, in our time of heartache. To run to him with our fears and our worries and our anxiety and our needs. So as you listen to this song, I want you to run to the Father.
That song has an amazing message in it. Will you run to Jesus today? Let me ask you, what are you putting your trust in today? How, how are you getting through this crisis? Not just the COVID crisis, but there are so many other crisis moments in our life. There are so many other things that we're battling. Who, what are you putting your trust in? Is it the economic experts? Is it your place of employment? Is your bank account? Is it your skill set or your wisdom? Or are you running to the lover of your soul? Today, I want to encourage you to make a decision to put your trust in Jesus. Ask him to restore what's been taken from you. Ask him to see you through this time. Is there something in your life right now that has died? Something in your life that's been lost that needs to be restored? A dream, finances, job, marriage, relationship, health, maybe your joy and your peace. Through your disappointment, through your pain, through your fears, certainty, uncertainty, and frustration, make a decision to say right now, Jesus, I believe you can resurrect and you can restore what I've lost, what I've lost. And I want you to do that wherever you are right now. Just say it out loud. Name what it is that you've lost. Name that area of your life, whatever it is, and say, Jesus, Today, I'm allowing my faith to rise up. Even though it seems impossible because this thing is dead. Jesus, I declare today, I believe that you can restore what I've lost. Say it with faith. Say it with belief today. And then if you're watching today, and you've tuned into this broadcast and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Maybe you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin. I want to give you that opportunity today. A lot of people don't understand why Jesus died on that cross on Good Friday. And the reason that we call it Good Friday, we call it Good Friday even though it was a horrific, horrible event. Jesus suffered terribly on that day. But it's good for us, bad for him. That's why we call it Good Friday. He had to do that because... I'm not good enough to get into heaven, never will be. I can't do enough good things to get me into heaven. The only way that we can get into heaven is by asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins because he's the one that went to the cross. Why did he go to the cross? To pay the price for your sin and my sin. A price that I couldn't pay, you couldn't pay. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 tells us this that all our righteousness all the righteousness in the world that I can muster up all the goodness is like filthy rags before God it's meaningless Jesus had to go to that cross Jesus had to pay the price that I was supposed to pay and he did it because he loved me and because he loves you and all you need to do is receive that forgiveness, that free gift. And so I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching today, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, start a relationship with him today. Make sure that when this life is over, that you will spend eternity with him. And I guarantee you, as you ask him and you invite him into your life today, that he's going to restore things in your life. He's going to restore them to better than new. You're going to have a quality of life that you never even dreamed of as you walk with him for the rest of your life. And so I invite you to just pray this simple prayer. It's not so much about the prayer, it's about you meaning it in your heart. Just say, Jesus. I receive your free gift of forgiveness today. I surrender and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I choose you. Help me to live for you. Today, I give you my life. And that's all you need to do. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart today, a miracle just happened in your life. 
all of your sin, all of your past, all your mistakes have just been wiped away by Jesus. They're forgotten into the sea of forgetfulness. And you have a brand new, clean slate to work with. You can write the rest of your story walking with Jesus and make it an amazing one. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer with us, there's a number going up on the screen right now. And text that number. Text the word and that number to us. And we have a free book that we'll send to you. Right? We'll connect with you and we'll send a book to you. And that book will help you in your newfound relationship with Jesus. It'll help you to take the next steps in growing your relationship with him. And we want to give that to you. We want to offer that to you free of charge today. And so I just encourage you to do that. Well, I want to say thank you for joining us on this Easter Sunday. It has been a marvelous resurrection day. I pray that you are encouraged in your spirit. And I pray that you walk away from today knowing this. That there is nothing that is impossible with Jesus. That no matter what has been broken in your life, no matter what, has died in your life, that Jesus not only has the power to restore it, but he is willing to restore it for you and make things in your life better than they ever were. May God bless you today. Have a great week.